mind you, I, I suspect that bloke is also like he's got a T-shirt that says, "I only like a beer when there's a risk of it exploding." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's some more merch ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Ironic. I, yeah. <laughs> no, if, if, if my beer is not potentially dangerous, it's not edgy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I like to live on the edge. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if a beer hasn't blown half your fingers off, you even craft. I need to Is suffer for craft? my art. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. Cryer Malt is proud to team up with Yakima Chief Hops to bring the very best Pacific Northwest hops to Australian and Kiwi brewers. Yakima Chief Hops' new proprietary uh, hop talus is bursting with big aromas of pink grapefruit, citrus rinds, dried roses, pine resin, tropical fruits, and, if you can believe they can fit it in, sage. Rumoured as the new queen of hops, talus is available through your mates at Cryer Malt. So contact them to start taking your brews to the next level. And your mates at Cry Malt are proud to bring you this. And this is Brews News Week, our regular wrap of all that has made news in beer this week. Now, if my mic has not been disabled so as to have my views silenced and you can hear this, I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter and senior journalist, Claire Boom Boom Burnett. G'day, guys. Can you hear me? Am I on? <laughs> you yes, are, Pete. We, can. Mate, we haven't cancelled you yet. You have to say, we, we've edited out the podcast. We, we've edited the live thing, and anyone who didn't listen live would have no clue that there was a problem. But they need to, Matt. They need to know. <laughs> we are nothing but honest I, and transparent exactly, here. <laughs> exactly. I watch a lot of – I follow a lot of um, um, creators and makers and woodworkers on uh, on YouTube, and, and a lot of them have this thing of um, uh, including the mistakes. So, you know, if they stuff something up, they'll – because, you know, people are going to do it. So I thought it's good for – there'll be people out there wanting to start their own podcast, and they go, I'm going to listen to these guys because these guys are top of the tree. And they go, oh, okay, they're not it's, – it's not perfect. Like, you know – you, you pull the curtain aside and there's this short little guy pulling levers and, you know, all that sort of thing. So they need to know that, you know, you're allowed to make mistakes. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On with the show. So how we, yeah. Nice and tight above uh, the fold. That's right. So, uh, now let's let's get straight into it uh, before we get into the news news. Uh, but Gab's done and dusted for another year. I think it's it's 12th year. And for the first time ever, um, there seemed to be some uh, questioning of the value of the poll in <laughs> online Is social media. the first media. time ever, Pete? Oh, um, I never would have Communities, guessed. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, um, a lot of debate around that one. Um, and in the end, uh, Ben Spoke claimed the title of Australia's Hottest Bit for 2020, which is very cool. Not for the first time. For and, the first time, uh, yeah. For the first time since Hop Hog, back in I think maybe the third or fourth year of the poll, that an IPA um, has uh, has taken the number one spot, which was good. Yeah, we like that. Um, but I believe we're going to have some more discussion on that later. I think we might have a bit of room. Yeah, yeah one of the, one of the big topics that came out um, is you know, well, your mates, uh, which you know, I, I, I'm convinced that. Malt have contributed to to the your mates result with the constant <laughs> referring to your mates like subliminal advertising, um, but and you know the, the 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 showing in places like Tasmania that have a really vibrant little uh, beer culture, but can't crack the the top one hundred. So I wanted to go speak to um, Klimt Donahoe from uh, well from the Step Brewers podcast, but also Spotty Dog Brewers, um, just to find out his thoughts um, uh, about it. So we have a really good insert that we'll be playing um, you know, a little bit later um, after the news, but before the above the fold. 
Yeah, no, and good then we'll discuss it below the fold. <laughs> and just quickly, so before we uh, jump over into the newsroom for all the news uh, for this week, uh, the IBD virtual convention, Matt and Claire, is uh, is going ahead, the 36th biennial convention. Um, of course, it's a virtual platform because of, um, I don't know if you've heard, but COVID. Um, 23rd and the 24th of Feb uh, this year. 40-plus live technical sessions from around the world, all with live Q&A opportunities. So it's 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 really like being there, but you don't have to be there. So you're saving on airfare. Um, you can uh, you don't have to excuse yourself to go out and get a drink. It's not like uh, BrewCon in Melbourne last, you know, where the um, uh, the auditoriums themselves were, were dry areas. So you can, if you want to, you know, sneak a beer in or whatever your, your tipple might be, you can do that. Um, there's a virtual exhibition hall as well with 30 plus booths, including um, capabilities of, of chatting to the, um, the to the stall holders, which is great, and exclusive networking opportunities with experts in the field. So go to, write this down. Now, just have a look in the show notes because it's ibdconvention2021.vfairs.com. Yeah, for more information. There'll be a convenient yeah. link uh, in whatever your podcasting platform is. It'll be hyperlinked, so you can just look down right now and click on it, and it'll take you there. And like we're big supporters, quite apart from the fact you know that, um, that we're um, advertising them, we're big supporters of the IBD generally. And so I've actually, they've always struggled a little bit with um, getting into the craft brewing um, arena and, and being seen as relevant to them because they've tended to be associated with bigger brewers. So uh, to help them out, I've actually gone back to some of the 2018 um, discussions, you know, papers that were presented and am doing mini presentations with some of the presenters at 2018 that I think would be really relevant to craft brewers. Um, this is just because I think it's inherently valuable. We're not being paid for this, so no, no disclosures needed. Um, yes, I had a great chat with um, Chris Wilcock of Four Pines, and you know, a couple of years ago, he did a presentation just before the takeover, or just as they, he submitted the paper before the um, purchase, and he was doing a um, paper on you know the challenges uh, from, from a people and process perspective of growing a small brewery to a large brewery. And uh, you know, Chris is a lovely. Um, thoughtful guy and so it was a really good um, paper so watch for that on the Brewery Pro podcast and we'll put a link to that um, you know, as soon as we do it so and Chris a terrific terrific brewer and a terrific bloke but he has a way of explaining like he, just his knowledge base it, it, it just comes across it's very he speaks well to his audience he yep. um, uh, like technical where he needs to be but I've learned so much from uh, just chatting over a beer um, with Chris in the past and, uh, and a terrific bloke yeah, exactly so yeah so you know, that's just something we're doing to help out the IBD and uh, um, just give you know, craft brewers or brewers at the smaller end, you know, an insight into the sort of stuff that makes going to the IBD conference are relevant. Yeah, exactly. No worries. Um, so plenty to get through. So uh, we'll cross live now to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap of the stories making news this week in beer. And Claire, uh, last week we graciously allowed our regular listeners to uh, complete their Brews News buzzword bingo cards uh, before we even got into the mailbag. Uh, and we start. <laughs> with a corner straight off the bat as labelling comes to the attention this time of the ACCC. Well, I mean, it's kind of been a long-running story, this one. So um, Matt was uh, delved into this last week. So you may remember that we did a piece on Lord Howe Island Brewery uh, last year. And this, and sort of, we've, we've noticed, it's been a long, ongoing thing that we've noticed over the past few months especially, that there are a lot of contract brewers that use a location in their name um, without actually brewing there or, um, you know, they might have a cafe there but they don't brew there or that kind of thing. And it sparked us to thinking about labelling, like, is that allowed? Are you allowed to put 
your own address on the label, even if that's not where you brew. Um, previously, the ACCC has um, ruled upon, ruled on this saying, you know, you need to do that. You need to put where you're brewing in as well. But there are lots of rules out there. They're a little bit vague, a little bit not like supplier. What do you mean by supplier if, if that's the, the regulation? So Matt yeah. delved into this one, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Look, Pete, I get a lot of messages, you know, Brewers sending me, you know, labels or things like that, you know, with a laugh or, you know, like, you know, a, a, an angry face. Um, you know, usually, if, usually prefaced with the uh, the quote, "Don't quote me," but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't want to be the one who publicly speaks about this. But Matt, you know, you go do your thing, um, which, which is why there was a few unnamed, yeah, unnamed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, fair enough. I, I, I get that. I, I, yeah. Some of the people were, were willing it's to be divisive. quoted, and some of them weren't. And I didn't. Feel fair to call some people out and let others stay anonymous. But anyway, the other thing was that it was actually the Australia Day weekend in 2013 when the Byron Bay thing kicked off. You know, I was at my desk on the Friday afternoon just before knockoff, and the media release came through talking about this awesome new beer from Byron Bay with an arrow pointing to the brewery. Um, and a little map on the back on the on the back label, wasn't it? On, they on, really on the doubled label. down yeah. on that, didn't they? Only two hundred meters from the beach. But funnily <laughs> enough, when you looked at it, they did say made by Byron Bay Brewing Company and its um, licensees. Under li- like licensees, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> even that is a lot more transparent or potentially transparent or prompting somebody to go research it than what we're seeing from a lot of small independent breweries but at the same time yeah. would a reasonable person care to look any further than that like well, a normal let's be puncher. let's be perfectly francis here if you <laughs> if you saw a map and the, a map with an arrow pointing to the yeah, brewery you'd, you, you'd put two and two together yeah, yeah, yeah automatically. I, I, absolutely but you know there are a whole range of media releases coming out these days you know as as the industry becomes more and more complicated and more you know crowded everyone is looking for the angle to pitch their beer on and we're seeing yeah. a lot of you know what i've taken to call zero barrier to entry contract brewers where they've just gone hey here's my marketing idea for a beer i'll go down you know it's always so we went to our mates down the road it's never well we went to this contractor down the road you know <laughs> who, who we didn't even know before we started looking at contract beer but now suddenly they're our mates always well, always we, well, we spoke to four contract p- potential contract partners and picked the cheapest one yeah a bit uh, you know and, and so for all of that so so Again, nothing it, wrong with that. It, it, it was just something that had been going for a while and with Australia Day coming up, you know, in the anniversary of the, the Byron Bay. Um, but it, it was really funny to go back and revisit that because, you know, when you look at what the ACCC's guidance was, both uh, Rod Sim speaking on our podcast and even the advice that they issued last week, is that the ACCC expects brewers to make clear on the label where the beer is made and by who. Now, that goes much beyond even the labelling guidelines that the IBA has put out, which is very much the legislation, but then doesn't have the... And to, to me, when you've got the ACCC saying, um, here is what we expect, it's a little bit like having you know speed limit signs beside the road. We expect you to do... You know, sorry, it, it's the law that you do 60 kilometres an hour. And essentially what we're seeing uh, brewing businesses do is go, oh, look, I'm only going to do that if somebody enforces it. 
um, you know, I'm only going to do the speed limit if I know that there's going to be a radar trap and I'm going to get caught up. And I can guarantee that the day that they're called, you know, that they're caught for speeding, you know, uh, doing 65 or 70, they're going to turn to the policeman and sort of say, "Mate, don't you have a murder to solve?" Um, because at the same time as the, you know, there are a whole range of brewers that are ignoring the ACCC's very clear direction, they're calling for the ACCC to police a whole range of other things. The ACCC doesn't have a lot of resources, and if the ACCC has got to get down into the weeds of policing craft brewery labels, then how are they going to focus on anything that's you know more important to the craft brewing industry? Quite apart from just you know showing contempt for mm. the, the, the the process, um, and yeah, so it, it, it was worth the story. Um, the, the, the story um, created a huge silence on online. Um, yeah. <laughs> I always find that the most controversial ones do, though, because I think people are mulling it over, don't want to publicly put their opinion out there, might contact us about it at a later date. I You're feel much like more charitable than I am. I, I, I think it's because the industry is hopelessly conflicted on the issue. Mm. And when you go back to the Byron Bay issue, which seemed like a really, really clear-cut case of a big brewery behaving really, really badly, which they did so badly that the ACCC got involved, mm-hmm. the then CBIA did not issue a statement until 18 months later when the ACCC actually found against... Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, what do you do when some of your members are doing that? that that's the, the thing, that, isn't That's it? the thing. And, Absolutely. you know, unfortunately, you know, there is a bit of a, for want of a better term, you know, good blokes syndrome where you've got people who are stalwarts of the industry and really good people, but when they're doing something, you know, it's kind of, oh, you know, well, we can't call them out because they're good Mm. blokes and you know like that was one of the criticisms I always had about Mountain Goat because you know there there was that case that I wrote about where um, you'd walk into a Coles and they had their steam rail beer and the clerk who knew nothing about beer knew enough to say oh yeah that's made at the same place as makes that pointing to Mountain Goat because it was made by Asahi at Laverton under contract and when you spoke to Cam and, um, Cam and Dave, um, you know, I had some long conversations with them. It was always, well, we don't hide the fact. We just don't advertise it. And you go, well, where <laughs> Morally is Morally dubious, though. You had to do, it was about five <laughs> clicks on their website to find that because, you know, we brew some of our beer down the road. And it's always down the road or it's always, you know, some nice little thing to avoid the truth mm-hmm. um, of, of it. And that gives cover to everybody else when you've got people who are absolute legends, absolute wonderful, awesome people, but because of the business decisions that they've made or the business challenges they've made. Um, and, and I had a long screed on um, the, the Facebook post about it talking about, you know, if you choose to not invest in stainless steel to fund your growth because of the risks and things like that, you have made a conscious business decision you know, that brings benefits to you. And the cost of that is that, you you know, you don't have the ability to say, well, we make everything ourselves or, you know, it's made by us. But the people who are doing it, and it's a perfectly legitimate business decision, but they don't, you know, they, they want to get all of the benefits of it. And uh, actually, I'll, I'll, again, no one wanted to talk about it now, but um, way back in, I think it was 2014 or 2015, had a really, really good discussion with Ben Krause and Adam Tripp-Smith. Back when Adam was still, uh, you know, so in, involved with uh, Vale Brewing, and it was a really, really good discussion between Radio Brews News episode three or four, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it, oh, I think it might have been it eleven. Was very early on. I, I've, I've, I've gone off and I got a transcript of it done this week because I wanted to go back, and it, it's a really, really good summary of the issues. But as Ben 
Krause says, you know, he, he said at the time, he sort of basically said, you know, when when you're buying beer from me, you're buying me getting up, you know, at two o'clock in the morning to go fix a problem at the brewery and, and all of those things. And on one hand, that, you know, is, is inefficient, bad business. But that's also why craft beer costs what it does. You know, if, if you're faxing off an order to a contract brewer um, or just saying, oh, look, you know, I want to... Yeah, Same as last month. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then all you have to do is market it. All of the money that could have gone, you know, that you don't have to spend on repairing your own system and those sorts of things can go into your marketing. And it gives you a huge advantage. And, you know, you can see that this matters because the number of people who, you know, are, are creating a, a, a backstory behind their contract brand... Um, which, you, you know, craft beer is all about the story, but the story is also what they don't tell you. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a it's a bit of an ethical thing for me as well because if you're making money off the back of the name of this location, you should be giving back to that through employment, through bringing a brewer in. I know these, some of these places have cafes and things like that, but you're not helping the brewing industry specifically by you know, allowing a new brewer to come in and have some experience on your smaller kit before they move on to a yeah, bigger yeah. one or anything like that. There's no contribution to the industry. You're not, you're not claiming to be an artisan bakery because you get somebody else to bring the bread in for your cafe, are you? Yep. Yeah, well, exactly. and, and look, and, and there's a whole range. Like there are people who are nomad brewers who are very involved. And Paul Bowker um, from Brick Lane, you know, talked about, you know, because they are very careful who they select as their partners and they have a lot of brewers who come in, they activated their brand. And it's, it's not a criticism at all about the, 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 the process, but there is a huge spectrum of participants who, who, who follow it. And when nobody labels, then it gives cover to the ones who are a little bit more cynical or a little bit more marketing-driven, who don't add a lot to of investment to the industry and really come in because they, they, they sense a business opportunity. Um, and look, look, the article talked about local love because, you know, last year we saw a huge push towards local beer and, you know, the Keeping Local Alive campaign that was championed by the Independent Brewers Association. And what is a local beer? You know, when you've got, um, you know, for, for want of a better term, the highest new entry on the Hottest 100 this year was Cronulla Beer Company. A couple of people who live in Cronulla, um, including a Cronulla um, Shark football player, you know, and they, and they brew, they contract brew. Of course, they, they're talking about planning to open a brewery um, and, and all of these things. They're getting a lot of interest. But how is a business that gets its beer made out of the Shire but just calls itself after the Shire um, any different from I'm a small businessman who sells, you know, beer from Western Australia in my bottle shop? Um, you know, I live in the Shire. I, you know, in, employ people in the Shire. How, how is Cronulla beer any more local than somebody who's selling Western Australian beer and employing people in the Shire as well? Um, and I don't think when people are celebrating, you know, keeping local alive, that's necessarily what they're looking to celebrate. Um, and yet, all of these brands have the IBA seal, you know, and the IBA has guidelines that it's not, re- that it says that it's not its role to police, um, which means that, you know, People know the importance of the IBA seal, the independent seal, in terms of having independence. But unless there is integrity around that and integrity around the local, then the IBA seal is just... When, all the IBA seal says is we're not owned by CUB and Lion. Um, it, it's purely a statement of lack of ownership as opposed to a positive statement of principle that it purports to be. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Well, what do you think about this one then? 
So on the Facebook group, uh, Ryan McCausland, Brendel Brewing, I mm-hmm. believe. Therefore, also named after a location. Um, so, obviously, he's the owner of Brendale. Um, he's got a physical location, but also does a bit of gypsy nomad brewing. Um, so, he says he can see the arguments from both sides. Um, but he says, I think it comes down to whether the brand has a particular focus on where it was produced. If your brand doesn't reference a location, then why does exactly where it was produced matter? Plenty of other products in everyday life that have their head office on the packaging, not exactly the factory where it was produced or the farm it was grown. However, if you're leveraging a particular location as a key part of your marketing, then there is a higher level of responsibility to make it clear if the product was actually manufactured at that location. So do we only think that we care about location then? No, if we're well, told okay. to care about provenance in all at, aspects. Okay, at its base, um, the, the answer to that is the ACCC says if you contract brew, you should say where it's made and by whom. Mm-hmm. So end of story yeah. on one thing. It, when it comes to you know whether consumers feel misled, then it's the totality. And you know, the, the, the Maggie Beer case was a really good example. It was She's famous with being associated with the Barossa Valley. You know, born in the Barossa Valley is on her label and things. And she was contract brewing outside of the Barossa Valley the ACCC find her. I don't know if it's your brew, Queen's Paste. I know, well, you know, you know manufactured. made, yes. manufactured. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... You know, yeah, the implication was that it was all coming out of... Well, the, the implication was... It was a Barossa product because it, all of her other products were intrinsically linked to... Her, her business is, is linked with it, um, with the Barossa Valley, even though her name is Maggie Beer and not, you know, um, you know Maggie Beer's Barossa. Maggie Verjus. Yeah, yeah. Um, she likes a Virgus. <laughs> so, um, ah, so it's just the association, so not necessarily the, the ACCC. Yeah, the, the ACCC. It, it, it's a complete okay. representation that is made on the label through all of the elements of the label. If you name yourself Lord Howe Island Brewing Company, and then you tell um, you know to the media, well, we know that we can never brew on the island, and so we're only ever going to brew in Sydney, and yet your entire social media page is dedicated to celebrating <laughs> the, the Lord island. Brewery, yeah. You know, on the the island's brewery. So to Ryan's case, and you know, I completely understand, and it, it and this is why it's it's not a bang against contract brewing, but and he does make you know it it, it would seem to be more important if you are named after a place mm-hmm. to let consumers know that you're not brewed in that place. But at a base, the ACCC says you know, you should say where it's made and by whom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I can understand his point of view that you don't want to see contract brewing disappear because if you expand and a big part of your expansion as a brand is that you're taking in other contract brewing while you grow your brand, then it's important to your business as well and it does support. And there's the potential for contract, and we've seen that a fair bit actually recently, contract brewers to actually end up owning their own brewery who you feel like they're a bit more... Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, they're working towards. You that can a count lot of them. on your hand, um, you know, like Clint Donahoe, who we're going to be speaking to. Mm-hmm. You know, they are gypsy brewers, um, heavily involved, and are going to buy. Yep. Two Birds um, was another one that was a contract brand, you know, and we we have seen, you know, some successful brands. But I tell you what, um, you know, we're just about to go live with our beta version of our brewery database which is you know a physical account of the physical breweries in the country and it's taken an an eon to do because we started with the you know like the craft beer review a list of nine thousand australian breweries um <laughs> and oh, you know what is it it was 897 <laughs> or something like oh, that that's and there's a whole lot silly. of lists that's not um, the actual figure may differ from the real figure yeah well <laughs> and, and when we started trying to color it you know, fully two or three hundred breweries that is quoted in the media and everything were what I would call vanity breweries or you know, um, you know, 
just these breweries where someone goes, I'm going to have a crack at this. And because there isn't a brewery, because there isn't a lease, because there isn't anything physical about their brand, when they just go, oh, shit, this is harder than I thought, and they just disappear, they've still got a social media profile. They often still have a website until they stop paying the bill for that. And it gives every, you know, so two to 300 of these breweries, and I would guarantee that almost every one of them said, oh, yeah, we're going to open a brewery one day. And the, the, the number that actually open a brewery mm-hmm. compared to the number of brands at launch, I reckon would be, you know, 2 to 3%. Um, and you, you can point to the ones that do, but there are hundreds that don't. Um, and, and look, once you get away from the ACCC is pretty clear, then you start getting into the, um, you know, the margins of why it matters. And, you know, like if I was a brewer that I, you know, when you, you listen to the way that Ben Krause talks you know, about it, if I was a brewer that invested and sweated and slaved and all of those sorts of things, and then you sort of see, you know, Beechworth Bitter down the road um, being sold in bottle shops that's contract brewed to the tourists who are coming up who want to take it home, every one of those sales potentially comes out of my pocket. And if that brand is only around for three months, you know, you're still sucking oxygen out of the breweries that are contributing and building the industry in a, in a much more meaningful way. Um, and, but anyway, but yeah, at the end of the day, triple, the ACCC is clear. If the industry doesn't follow the ACCC's very clear guidance, what right have they got to call on the ACCC and point fingers? Um, particularly, you know, I, I shared Byron Bay Pale Lagers. Um, you could not... You know, anyone who cares to only has to turn over the back of that. And they actually say, if this is in the bottle, it's not made in Byron Bay. You, could, <laughs> like, you couldn't be clearer than that. And, you know, if, if the small brewing movement wants to give up its you know, moral credibility to, you know, big brewers... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> what does it matter? We went a bit right. below the fold with that one, didn't and we? That we did. below <laughs> the fold. Uh, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks very much for joining us. So this experiment we'll didn't go too well, did it? Well, well we, we shouldn't have started with started. a... No, we shouldn't have started with We shouldn't one. have started with one like that. That required that. Hello. It's not often that we get a good news story, it's and uh, particularly in the times of, you know, GFCs and financial crises and COVIDs and what have you, is that... Um, Somebody promotes the fact that they have over-delivered on their half-year <laughs> results. Um, yes, good drinks. Uh, Gage Road's parent company. The artist also known as yeah, Gage <laughs> exactly, yeah. Has significantly over-delivered, in fact, Pete, in their half-year results. So that's um, just the first, the first six months of their financial year. Um, last year, they made a loss of $2 million. So they're kind of heading, hopefully, back on track. However, just to point out that they did have a strong first half last year and then ended up with that loss. Um, but they say they're back on track um, and loads of other good things. They're predicting um, 17 million litres this year, which is quite extensive. Um, And in their investor presentation, um, they said they were the number one independent craft supplier by value in um, Australia um, with a retail sales value of 71 million compared to Stone and Wood's 65 million. They also said that Single Fin was number one independent craft beer in WA and second nationwide. Um, and they're planning venues in Queensland, New South Wales. They've obviously got their um, Atomic Beer Project, which is now open in Sydney. And they're planning um, a massive venue uh, over in Perth as well. So it's all looking good for good drinks, um, which is quite nice. But yeah, we'll obviously see. They said they were having a strong, they had strong performance 
events uh, during COVID as well. So that's obviously good for them. Um, but I did want to get your take on whether you thought that they were the number one independent craft supplier well, guys. What do you think on it, that? It's, it's a really interesting <laughs> this is, story. This is Forex Gold versus VB, isn't it? It's, yeah, a, uh, it's a little bit. Yeah. We're number one, by the way. We're <laughs> number one. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was very, very interesting in their presentation to shareholders that they didn't only talk about themselves. They also commissioned or they had uh, they well, bought some data. Yeah, they got some data. Um, that showed that they, you know, their combined retail sales value um, was $71 million against Stone and Wood's $65 million and uh, then Colonial's $32 million. Now, I can't speak to Colonial, but, you know, based on the annual report from Stone and Wood for the previous year, um, that sales uh, volume does seem, uh, for Stonewood, does seem quite right. But Stonewood seems to be having a higher profit margin on it. But I just thought it was very, very interesting. They're not close to 17 million, though, are they? They're, they're, uh, oh, I thought they were 15. A couple of weeks ago about, oh, I thought it was 12 or 13. Okay, I thought they were. Yeah, I thought they were aiming for 15 this year, um, uh, you know, across all of their brands. Um so anyway, look, you know, but you know, between good drinks, well, I suppose you can you can you can tip in two birds volume now, can't you? So yeah, that'd be how much would that be? I mean, that would be you know half to three quarters of a million litres yeah. tops. I would have thought. Uh, I don't know. I'd, maybe maybe not. Anyway. Know. Numbers numbers don't make sense to me. I, I hear people go, oh yeah, it's the two billion. I go, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, very very interesting. Uh, but it seems to, it seemed to be very anyway as a publicly listed company um they make a lot more of their results than just about any other brewery does and their share price i'm just gonna have a it was it, it went up by about nine yeah, percent yesterday because um, i mean gauge is strange how does that, that compare to say uh, a brew, brew. <laughs> <laughs> well and so we were just saying this we're, we're running a book Bruce, uh, it's, it's volume versus value matt it's completely <laughs> different things. Bruce results are due out uh, we've well. lost far more in volume and in value so <laughs> brew has a habit of putting its results out you know as the clock strikes midnight on the day that they're they're due so we're anticipating those about five o'clock tomorrow afternoon um but good drinks went up 9.4 percent yesterday on the back of that news um which is quite interesting I like that it's been a hard slog for gauge on the stock markets i think it's they don't see the ups and downs that a lot of other companies do. They're a bit more steady going, which could be a good thing. Might be a, more of a long term. If you're a mum and dad investor, that's what you want. There you go. If you yeah, all right to stay with it for a few years, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They don't pay a dividend. You know, they're, they're not growing because um, I've been watching the. I think they got up to about fifteen cents two years ago, mm. um, and then they've been hovering around the five and a half six cents of late. So. Hmm. Well, they've got big plans. We hmm. shall see. We Still, shall see. They're, they're higher than they're, they're four times brew at one point <laughs> point one six. <laughs> <laughs> one point six cents. <laughs> All right. Anywho, so, uh, Claire, this time this time last year we were talking about uh, bushfires. Uh, we're one year on. Yeah. So um, this one is yet to be published, but it will be published today. So sorry, guys, you didn't get a. A pre-look at that. Um, basically, I just wanted to have a catch-up with a few of the Victorian high country brewers and, you know, uh, Ryefield Hops uh, in uh, southern New South Wales, who we had a chat to at around this time last year because um, they'd been massively affected by drought, um, by bushfires. They had a crap time of it, effectively. Um, so I just wanted to see how they were getting on. Um, just a small snapshot. Obviously, loads of other people were affected by the bushfires, and then it just seemed to fade into the background as COVID hit. Like, we forgot all about it, effectively. Um, one thing that uh, Laura mentioned, uh, Laura Gray from Bright Brewery, 
mentioned is that um, because everyone is stuck at home, can't do any international travel, that's been such an improvement in terms of um, visitor numbers for Bright and for the wider high country as well. So she's looking, as when I spoke to them both last year, um, Jade McManus from Ryfield um, and Laura, they were they were down. You could tell it in their voices. They weren't, you know, as you would have expected, they were like hard pushed, um, not happy and as you'd expect had a really hard time of it but the optimism in their voices and what they said um this year was really nice it was so good to see that um there was that they had such a positive outlook um jade from ryefield was saying that they'd done a lot of work on um building dams and being more drought resistant and um they're hoping to have their um a much bigger hop crop uh, in the next year or two. Um, so hopefully with the push towards local and push towards um, buying local and focusing more on local produce, then they'll have a little bit of a bumper year um, and they bloody need it. So good on them is what I have to say about that. Yeah, And I did see, I saw quite a few of um, people in my Facebook feed, etc., uh, including James Davidson, who posted photos um, around, it was now in the, la- in the last month or so. Um, and it was just like elbow to elbow in place places like Bright and other people sort of saying you couldn't get a you couldn't get accommodation for love nor money which was which is a great a great turnaround it's, so hopefully they're able to yeah, l- yeah literally reap the benefits exactly uh, Claire hit us with uh, one more and uh, this time it concerns our third favorite acronym <laughs> ABAC <laughs> so uh, ABAC uh, released their quarterly report uh, that's their final quarter of the year uh, this week and they actually reported an overwhelming number of dismissals so usually they're on a par they're probably like I think the last qu- maybe the third quarter, sort of second quarter last year, 13 dismissals, 13 um, upheld. This time it was, uh, I believe, 15 dismissed and then like six upheld, which, I mean, we can't extrapolate anything from that. Yes, we can. Well, we'd like to. Fair of trying it on. <laughs> Fair of trying it on. But people have got savvier about it. People are like, well, we've done it right. There was um, a record number of pre-vets. Um, so that's obviously people getting their uh, advertising materials run through way back beforehand. I think... To me, that shows an early indication that actually we're becoming more educated as an industry on what we can and what we can't do um, with can designs, with outdoor advertising. Um, Digital marketing, obviously the major one, as everything went online last year. So they basically said to alcohol marketers, you know, watch out what you put on social media. It's not just a free-for-all. It still counts as uh, marketing and advertising. Um, and they did have record determination. So, yes, Matt, fairer running wild. That's uh, right. And, and, and I need to think about usual, um, you know, fair is like our... Catch boogeyman. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it, 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 we, we don't mean fair specifically. We uh, mean, well, we do. I don't know. They, as they, well they, as. They, they position themselves that way. Like, yeah, <laughs> the, um, you know, Bruinon, like the Bruinon conspiracy, whoever the anonymous complainants are yeah. who are, you know, a- accusing brewers of <laughs> um, grooming children. And yes, listeners, yes, we intend, fully intend on making Bruinon a thing. <laughs> oh, God, don't. Um, um, do we know whether or not, uh, Claire, that um, throughout the, like the digital marketing, is it uh, current or is are we still sort of delving back into the – like do, do a lot of the complaints come from, uh, you know, historic, if you like, social it's media? still very much a mix. However, the whoever is complaining seems to have given up in the second half of the year. Once you come to the attention for your stuff, current stuff... You go through, you, yeah. You, yeah. And that's the thing. Once you've come to their attention for your current um, social media posts, you can guarantee that you're going to be up 
first three or four more based on your historical ones. So definitely best to have a go through and rinse it. Um, the other thing as well that came out this week is that Cheeky Monkey faced A back again. Um, they are a regular, not quite as regular think, yeah. as Pirate Life. Um, Pirate Life are quite common. Oh, <laughs> I mean, so so they're, they're still leading the... <laughs> oh, yes, the by far, by far. Um, but interestingly, Cheeky Monkey did decline to respond yeah. to ABAC. And, and I did reach out to, to to sort of get some background to it to find out. And, yeah, I, I just got the feeling that, mm. it, you know, because it, it's, 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 it's a, a difficult thing for business when, when it happens um, and you feel that you're being targeted and you're being unfair. Um you know, it's being unfairly treated. Um, at, at, at the same time, like I, you know, not owning a brewery, not having to compete in a very, you know, torrid marketplace and try and stand out. It's easy to say this, um, but you know, we are talking about alcohol marketing, and it's not a, a, a free for all. Um, and there, there need to be rules. And if you're going to push boundaries with your labels to stand out, sometimes you're going to go across the line. Yeah, exactly, and and we. We can't lose sight of the fact that it's actually a lot easier than you think to rectify some of these problems. I mean, if it was me and ABAC were on my back or FAIR were on my back, I'd just be calling 1300 852 235 to get some uh, shrink wrap uh, labels to replace the um, the problematic ones. Um, that would, of course, uh, connect you with Rallings label stickers and packaging, Matt. And uh, they're not able to just supply labels for your cans or bottles. They can also supply printed or blank cartons. They can do can trays, tap decals, barcodes, shrink sleeves, the whole Megillah. Um, and um, they're just applied to empty beer cans ready for filling. Um, the cans come to your door palletised, ready to fill, nothing more to do. One three hundred eight five two two three five Rallings label stickers and packaging. As seamless as the labels themselves. That was actually stunning. I'm very. You guys didn't say that coming, did you? No, I did. I got blindsided. That's <laughs> pretty good. No, I know. As soon as ABAC comes on, that's a Pete segue. <laughs> but actually, maybe they should sponsor our ABAC coverage. I think they should. <laughs> so, um, Pete, the, the one thing I'll say is. Not only uh, call that number to talk about the labels themselves, but talk about you know how they can be a much more environmentally friendly than a lot of people seem to yeah, think. A lot of people exactly. hear plastic yep. and automatically think you know. Ooh, um, devil! Yeah, Ooh, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I may as well just go walk out and choke a turtle um, because it's that's bad. right, uh, yeah. and it's just not like that at all. With a straw. Um, uh, looking forward to the new de- the new design of the um, the Cronulla Beer Company uh, labels. <laughs> well, well, apparently they're going to be two thousand dollars worth of uh, product for being is the highest. Is it Capital XPA? Because uh, Capital it's Capital Cronulla, Brewing no, it's XPA, XPA was the highest new beer, but Cronulla was the highest new brewery. Yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't oh, heard. So I think it's a, the new brewery because we were hoping to support. Because <laughs> the idea behind it was to support a small local brewery. Oh no! In that sense, well, speaking... we've, uh, we're supporting a sm- like a, a small local marketing brand. And in, in another <laughs> seamless segue, uh, speaking of the hottest one hundred, Matt, uh, you had a chat to Clint Donahoe. As I said at the top of the show. Um, yeah, really interested in Tasmania, so I wanted to speak to a Taswegian um, uh, about how Are they, they feel about it. they actually called Taswegians? Or is that just a joke? No, no, they're, they're no, Tasmanian. It's not like the official. It's like a Novocastrian. Tasmanian. No, I think it's the Tasmanians. What's a New South Wales person New South New South Welshman. Welshman. Oh, I love yeah, that. That makes sense because it's I Wales. mean, it's true, it does. Victorian. Victorian, yeah, um, Victorian. Um, above the fold still. So um, this is Insert my Clint here. This is my <laughs> chat with uh, Clint Donahoe from Step Brewers. Ding, Clint Donahoe. Welcome to 
Bruce News Week. Very good to be here. First time uh, caller, long time listener. <laughs> well, I, I called you, so. Uh, but mate, congratulations on your uh, on your video things that uh, you'll never hear big big geeks say after the hottest one hundred. Very funny, good stuff. Yeah, I've got a um, got a little bit inspired after listening to it, and you know the Facebook groups afterwards are are pretty unreal. Um, <laughs> and so I said to the other guys, "Well, I'm going to go into the studio and just shoot it myself and see how it goes." And I think I got finished about one a.m., but it was worth it. I can never work out whether they're going for an onion parody or whether it's serious, as as with all good parody. But anyway, <laughs> and I and I have to actually, I was, I was a little bit worried that. Uh, Bruce Hughes might come in for a little bit of uh, bingo parody as well. So thank you for uh, leaving I do us. Like, I do like the bingo segment. I wanted to steal it. <laughs> anyway, mate, one of the, I wanted to have a chat because, um, you know, lots and lots and lots of discussion about the Hottest 100 generally. But one of the things that really blows my mind and has for a couple of years is the lack of representation by Tasmania. When I look at it, you know, some of the regions within a state that would really be getting their support from their region as opposed to a statewide um, poll. Like Sunshine Coast in, in Queensland is a mm. good example. Getting lots of support. I would have thought that, you know, Tasmania being a, a, a proud island might have that little bit of provincial, provincialism. You know, what's your read on what's going on with the Hottest 100 in Tasmania? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think we've only ever had one beer in over the years, maybe. Uh, very early on, which I think was Mubu Pilsner from memory. Um, yeah, I had a, I've had a bit of a chat to, I guess, the other brewers in Taz um, today and yesterday about this and over the hottest 100. Um, and we didn't do a social single media, uh, social media post, not a single one asking for votes. We have in the past, um, but the, I guess, the overwhelming feeling I was getting was that um, one, uh, not many of the brewers down here think it matters. Um, a lot of people were saying, well, it's a distribution poll. Therefore, there's not much point us trying because we will not get in. Um, and I think maybe there's a misconception of the number of brewers in Tasmania versus their actual output. Um, so I know that uh, one of your fans of the show, uh, I think it was Daniel Reed, was putting up mm. some interesting stats in the chat, um, which I always enjoy seeing. Um, and, you know, he was saying, you know, you've got 30 odd brewers in such a you know small population, half a million people. Um, but I think I think the 30 odd brewers, if you really, you know, nut it out, you've got Moobrew who are the biggest um, and on a national level, they're not they're not big at all. Um, they're the only brewer in Tasmania that has national distribution, as far as I know. Um, and then the next, you know, big boys are Hobart Brewing Company, Shambles, uh, Morrison will be in the chat. Um, and then. From there, you've got, you know, Ocho Miners Gold and that next tier of brewers are all very small. You've got a whole range of people brewing on Browmeisters, um, you know, 200, 300 litre systems, um, even Fox Friday, who are sort of the current darlings of the of the nerdy beer scene um, with their hazy stuff. Um, you know, they're on a 300 litre system. So I don't think that any Tasmanian brewers have that capacity. Um, if you think about Tassie brews that you see on the mainland, um, that actually have any sales going north. It's it's Moo, uh, a bit of Morrison's into Victoria, uh, Hobart Brewing Company, and, and a little bit of Shambles, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, I think the overwhelming feeling I got from chatting to a few people this morning um, was that, you know, why ask for votes? What's it going to achieve? Yep. Um, so that they would be people, I'm assuming, who are um, full-on capacity. 
and probably can't reach that market. Uh, that, okay, that's interesting. I was going to say, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the guys down there, or sorry, some of the um, brewers down there, um, not interested in growing their, you know, their, their, their distribution and even crossing the, 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 the Tasman. But it's from what I hear you saying, they're at capacity anyway. So <laughs> why, why create headaches for themselves? Yeah, I think like from the brewers that I chat to regularly, most of us aren't keeping up with sales down here. And I know in particular across December, we we're all caught a bit unaware by, you know, one of the biggest Decembers we've ever had despite losing the taste and things like that. Um, and, you know, a lot of the brewers down here have already maxed out the fermies they can fit in their, in their breweries and are busy growing local sales. Um, so I, I think that, I think to a degree that would affect it. Um, I sort of, I sort of see the other side of it. Um, I think you guys were talking about it, that, you know, someone, so like the Your Mates Larry situation, I'm sure that that, that year last year where they placed so highly on such small volumes would have helped them grow from there. Mm. I can see the benefit of a Tasmanian brewer, I guess, pushing to get a position and then growing into that. I mean, I'm a financial analyst by, by day job and that just seems super logical to me. Um, but I just don't see it happening as well. And a bit of the sentiment I got from um, a few brewers was, well, it's disingenuous to, to grab votes for something you haven't earned um, through, you know, huge social media and marketing pushes, which I think was a really interesting point um, because you can, you know, <laughs> the highest ranked Tassie beer was one that had a single batch release. <laughs> um, okay. But it was one of, so only three brewers in all of Tassie actually posted on social media asking for votes. And none of those were the big guys. That's interesting because, you know, in, in your uh, video, mm. uh, Larry came out for special mention. <laughs> um, you know, what, what, what's the thinking behind that? You know, why did that case study, you know, you know really sort of uh, latch uh, or take root in your mind? Mm. I think, like, yeah, when we did the Step Brewers video, I think the Larry thing has almost become a bit of a joke among brewers. Um, not saying I don't know those guys at all. And I've never tasted yeah. Larry, which is part of the joke, I guess. Um, you know, we can't get Larry down here. Every social media comment was I've never tried Larry. So I think last year when they made top 10, everyone was like, how the hell have they done that? Um, but I think Larry was probably, I think Larry was probably the beer that to brewers told us all that, okay, this isn't about the beer anymore. This is about your reach. Um, which it always has been, um, but I think that I think that sort of galvanised it. And you know, there's been a lot of talk. I know Rob Stew over in WA has tried to set up a WA voting block, um, so that you know how to vote WA cards. <laughs> Step Step Brewers got approached last year to do the same thing for Tasmania, um, and I think at the time we decided that that wasn't that didn't represent Tasmanian beer. Not saying we wouldn't do it in the future for a bit of a laugh. Um, but it would be interesting if, if a state actually really got behind their brewers like the Sunshine Coast has, mm. how, hard, how, how far up could they push them? Because I just see little to no effort. So down here we had uh, Van Diemen, uh, Fox Friday, and um, there was one other brewer who posted on social, oh, um, 22 Paces, which are, which are a gypsy operation that have just, just started, just done their first batch, and no one else posted. So not a single vote for us, you know, and I think in previous years probably did a bit. Here's an idea. Do a 30-brewer collaboration um, that's got everyone's name on it um, and then have a statewide campaign for that one beer. Because I was thinking that you, 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 don't mind you, that. 
It, it would be very hard to put the state behind one brewer's beer because then one business is getting a uh, a business mm. advantage. But if you've all got a little uh, finger on the trophy, um, yeah. Well, how would we take the beer otherwise? But if it was if it was a thirty yeah thirty odd brewery, I think there's thirty six official breweries now. Maybe mm. um, you know we'd probably all just ask Bocamp to reopen and brew their pilsner and all put our names on. To be honest, at the moment, or their hells. Who <laughs> um, brew pills? Um, yeah, you know, which is a classic beer. Um, yeah, you know, it would be great behind, to. We could get behind Jack and the team for sure. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to get into trouble with the organisers for suggesting something like that. But yeah, no, <laughs> look, it, it, it's really interesting to hear that uh, that that insight. Um, and uh, mate, one thing that we need to do is we need to get you guys uh, on on our podcast to talk a little bit about because I know that uh, Spotty Dog has got big plans and uh, mm-hmm. you know the, the challenges of. Um, you know, building a brewery where you've got day jobs, but then also being incredibly committed uh, to, to the industry. So we'll have to get you guys on uh, very, very soon. Um, and to be honest, I was waiting till we could actually sit down and have a beer. There are some interviews that just naturally feel yeah, like they should great. be in person as opposed to uh, to done like this uh, yeah. when you have to do it. That's probably the only good thing about uh, COVID is how, how uh, easy it is to do Zoom chats now and running a Tasmanian-based national podcast is very simple these days. <laughs> and, yeah, we could start a whole other chat, but we're coming up to a nice little insert size for Bruce News Week. So, Clint Donho, thank you very much for joining us and giving us some really great insights into the Tasmanian results for the Hottest 100. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. There we go, Pete. Excellent. I'll just correct Clint just before, right off the bat. Um, early <laughs> doors, and it's the, the first three years of the Hottest 100, Moo Brew was the only Tasmanian brewery that had beers in. Um, all right, uh, I'll take that back. Wizard Smith Ale, um, ah. yeah, Ooh. was definitely in the first or second year. Okay. So there you go. Um, oh, but he's, Moo a, Brew, he's a young fella. That was before his right. time. That's right. But Moo Brew <laughs> also had... Uh, the dark, they had the pale, they, as well as the pilsner, but they also, on one, uh, one occasion, had their um, imperial stout in the in the first hundred. Did first harvest cascade first harvest ever make it? Uh, I'd have to. I've got the. Yeah, I don't know. I don't well, know. I, I can't. I can't recall it. It may have. It may have. But I'll tell you one thing. I have booked. Um, I've already booked. Uh, Klimt to join our commentary team as our stats Excellent. man when I found out that I he was a data um, and analyst. he's got a wonderful voice I forgot how like just wonderful it is smooth as silk yeah. well done Klimt so uh, <laughs> yeah so he, he'll be joining Easy. us so Easy. we can be clean up three one eight hundred Klimt <laughs> He'll get you to sleep at night, Claire. Oh my god, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, All right, there you go. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, because. Every industry needs a collaboration. We're going to have the Step Brewers podcast collaboration next Hottest 100. All right. That would be excellent. Awesome. All right. So that's uh, – now, is that, is that – does that complete that's, the news? That's the job. Yeah, that that's is the news. Turn. Thanks very much, Claire. That was all the news that was. And uh, now uh, we head over, just before we uh, update you on the weather, to our mailbag. Grant McCarran via email says, as to the new format, nice work. I'm enjoying it. And for those who complain it's too long, people complain it's too long, uh, use the damned pause button, people. The latest episode was still running when I got home from my commute, so I picked it back up later after dinner while doing some chores. It's not like it's live to air radio <laughs> show or something. The listener controls their podcast, not the other way around. And I did, I have, to, uh, yeah, I, I did have to get back to him and say, look, you know, sometimes you just sort of, you, you don't like to leave something unfinished, you know. But for people with a bit of OCD, <laughs> OCD yeah, yeah. yeah. So Oh, no, I, I get that, right. but no, thank you for uh, thank you for listening. Then, you know, Grant's uh, emailed us a couple of times in the past. Yeah. 
Also up is Lachlan McBean, great name, um, on email, re the Charlie Hodgson podcast. Um, he says, having been brewing for 16 years now and running my own gig, it's interesting times from a brewing and sales marketing and business perspective. I share Charlie's viewpoints on what much of what was discussed, particularly around innovation. Protein, yeast and chill haze with fruit aren't really innovative, but here we are. We may have a young have young brewers unable to make traditional styles. Rant. My concern <laughs> is that the industry is going at an unsustainable rate and we've created our own monsters that need to be fed the new on the weekly basis. I could go on and I don't think I'm old however i am white middle-aged and made lager commercially for six <laughs> years <laughs> it's great to see someone else making great beer styles with one eye on trends uh with his own take i've currently got a new zealand oz pilsner in the tank uh you've got me worried now <laughs> let me know if you want me to send you some thanks again yes, please. <laughs> yeah i don't think you even need to ask uh thanks again and hopefully catch up when there's an industry gig we're allowed to go to cheers lucky lucky yeah lucky sorry while we are on the uh, on the topic of great blokes, um, one of the best guys to be uh, stuck at a table with uh, when uh, when you're judging at beer competitions, Lockie McBean. Not so good if you're uh, stuck at the bar afterwards. <laughs> oh, he's 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 on my list of guys you don't want to turn around and go. Oh, it's just you or me. Matt Smoke Bomb. Where did, where did Matt go? He was here a second ago. Mate, that's, uh, yeah, no, no, again, I'm, Great it's not, not my first rodeo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, that's all the mailbag. Do we have one there from um, Joe Curtis? Uh, oh, we were meant to talk about that. Um, oh, yes. With, with the odds. So, with just, the odds. yeah, we, okay, we were yeah. talking about the um, odds. The novelty markets don't have huge volumes of money, so it doesn't take much for a price move um, to come off the back of money coming in. E.g., Ballistic Hawaiian Haze was $40, but then came in uh, to $5. Um, there we go. Well, and when you I hear Ben like, spoke, you know, suddenly it was at $2. When you hear that one of the brewers, you know, put down a lazy hundred on it, you know, that's going to shorten the odds pretty. Yeah, that's right. When it's a fairly small and, and very niche boutique sort of um, market, as Joe pointed out. And Joe also did point out, which I thought was good, also don't feel like Luddites by using below the fold. We still use that in digital marketing when referencing the info on a web page that you need to scroll to get to. Can't wait for the countdown podcast. There you go. We are modern. But there's another vote for below the fold. There you go. There, that's not too bad. I think. We've and had now it's time for there. below the fold. Well, no, well, no, no. Thank you, Pete. Thank, thank, thank yes. you for hosting. Thank you. Thanks for hosting, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you do, is it for those who are just joined in or can't work out what the hell's going on here, even the regular <laughs> listeners, um, I, I'm I'm in the same boat. I've got no idea what's happening. But uh, what we've done now is that that's a wrap of the news and the mailbag. And so, if you do need to get off now and uh, you know check on the mash temperature or uh, you know filter or <laughs> God forbid pasteurize your beer or something like that, um, you can piss off now and do that. Um, because that's the end of the, the newsy bit. But if you want to hang around for Drivel and Dribble, welcome to Below the Fold. And we're out, or are we? <laughs> we're back with Below the Fold. Uh, there we, you go. We, so, we, need a, we need a sting. We need a something. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with something. Or just yeah, a piece of yeah. paper unfolding, like a newspaper unfolding. Now you're just taking it back to Luddite. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, speaking of Luddites, I, I, I used to, I, when I caught public transport, couldn't afford buying the morning paper every day. So I learned to read um, sort of upside down and backwards because below the fold <laughs> for me was the bit that the bloke uh, opposite, sitting opposite had folded up. And so it was the bottom of the front that page. That was your bit, yeah. Yeah, so I learned That's to read backwards shame. and upside down. 
Um, you can you can actually do it because if you've got a good uh, clean uh, window, you can just read the reflection off, so you don't have to do the oh. reverse. You just have to do the upside down. What Convert. a life hack! Well done. There you go. It's the sort of thing we do here on below. The fold. <laughs> I guess we've we've chatted a fair bit about A Triple C. What do you think about? Because I, I had mm. my little bit of a rant up front that should have been in, in below the fold. But you know, what, what's your Look, read? I, I'm very much a traditionalist because, and, and as I say, back from that very early episode, and the thing that that really struck me about Ben was if it didn't matter, then they it, they wouldn't you know put it on their on their label. People so are so it, resistant to acknowledge, you know, th- th- they'll give you every reason why they shouldn't have to put it on, except admit <laughs> that it matters. <laughs> do, do, you think it's, do you think it's become more relevant now? And I say this because the, the, the game pieces have shifted. So there are so many, you know, pawns have been taken by the big kings and queens uh, of the big brewing. And so independence matters more and provenance matters more. And perhaps even as we get, bigger and bigger and um, a more crowded marketplace, does your story matter more? Are people going, I like a pale ale. Oh, a tropical pale ale. Oh, hang on, there's 15 tropical pale ales. Uh, which one will I go for? Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Well, I haven't see, heard of that yeah, one. I, mean, I, I absolutely think it does. Tell me your story. People are buying for an experience and you don't get an experience from just the flavour. It's the no, story no, that you're buying. Sorry to drop, but we should point out, if you're paying five forty nine or $6 for an each... And you look over there and you go, well, I can get a VB for $2.49 or $3, whatever it might be, for an each. I'm, I'm really committing now emotionally as well as financially. So you've, you've got to hook me in. Yeah. And, and well, that, that's the thing. You know, craft beer is more expensive. So we want to be telling people that there is a reason you should be spending more. And when the liquid is, you know, as good, um, you know, coming from, a, if not better, coming from a, a big brewer, then you need a story behind it. And Claire and I were talking about um, this morning because we're getting, you know, a lot of brands um, are basing their brand story around charity. We're don- donating X to this charity or we're going to put money behind this. Proceeds or from sales. Proceeds. Of, yep. Because, you know, it, it's part of the feel-good factor for the reason you pick up that beer over the 27 identical beers um, that are beside it on, on the shelves. Um, oh, yeah, I like that charity. I'm going to buy that. Um and I mean, look, personally, I have the same issue with charity beers because knowing from experience, every time, with, with, sorry, with a handful of exceptions, every time I've gone back to the business that we've written or published there immediately saying, yeah, we're going to make this beer and we're going to give money to charity. A year later, I'll often go back and say, oh, look, just really want a summary of how did you go raising money for the charity? Oh, we don't make that available. You go, well, hold on. Hold on, sport. You told everybody. Isn't that your whole point? That a percentage yeah. of your profits is going to charity and now you're not going to tell people. So where is the accountability? You know, if you're using it on your marketing, I think people have a right to know. Well, particularly when it's your, what's that uh, catchphrase, you know, your unique selling proposition? Proposition is, yeah. well, we're giving money to charity. Um, well, how much? I, oh, I can't tell you that. That's but it's, that's the only thing you're hanging your hat on. That's Yeah. Um, you don't have a brewery. You don't, like, again, not that there's a problem with that, but your sales pitch is you're giving money to charity. And the other thing is, you know, and, and here's where it because – you know, like I knew a guy who had a not-for-profit um, business. And I said, oh, mate, what's that? And he goes, well, a profit is what you say it is. <laughs> you know, so... Um, <laughs> Which if, is why I'm always very suspicious when you If you pay yourself a $200,000 salary, um, and meaning that there's nothing left in the kitty at the end of the year... Then you're not for then profit. You're, I'll tell you <laughs> Technically. what. Technically. Bruce, you... <laughs> not, we're not for profit. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder so if we could get a tax break. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. So, you know, like we, we don't make a profit. So, you know, um, we're technically a not-for-profit. But we don't – like we're not going to go advertise with us because we're a not-for-profit business that's supporting the beer industry. Mm. Because, you know, one day I'd actually like to put some money into my super um, <laughs> from the profits of the business. But, you know, so if, if you used to say, you know, we give 50% of our profits, you know – how, how does anyone like brew could be saying fifty percent of our profits goes to you know they haven't made a profit in five years they've no. lost twenty million dollars exactly it's ridiculous so and I think that's actually might even be a tad worse than the local thing but po- just pointing out my favorite line in the article you wrote was from one of the unnamed contract brewers who uses the location name um, without actually being based there. He says, oh, she says, I didn't think anyone cared where it's made. And if they did, they would Google it, they said. We we tell the stockists and we've told anyone who's asked. So basically, you know, at least they tell people that ask as opposed to charity thing. Well, yeah, like, you know, if they've asked. And, you know, they also Mm. pointed to beer media who had written stories about them and they were up front there. Yeah, yeah. But... You, there, there is there is a just a falsehood in you name it after a beer because that location lends value to your label mm-hmm. um, and you know the, the, the story that one of them was saying oh you know people come to our area and they want to have the local beer <laughs> but you're not it's the not local, local beer sport it's because you put the name on yeah. it, doesn't mean yeah, it's it doesn't, local. you're local yes <laughs> but you could be you could be selling bintang and you're mm. still a lot, yeah. you know, adding exactly the same value to your um, local. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. provided you go to Relling st- label stickers and packaging to get a, a, a new label to you know, reflect. <laughs> we the would correct. we would recommend that. At Bruce. Yeah. All, yeah. all <laughs> profits from the sale of this beer go uh, are spent in my Bali holiday. <laughs> no, no, well, no, no, elsewhere. <laughs> this, this is our offices, uh, Red Hill. So I'm going to go by Bintang, get our friends at Rallings to put. Um, a new label around Bintang and to mm-hmm. say all proceeds from the sale of this beer are going to be spent in Red Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and I mean, that's when you get down to it, that's the important bit about local is that if you want to buy, if you want to buy local, if that's what you want, you are buying local because you care about that area, you like that area for some reason, you've got an emotional connection to it and you want it to improve, you want money to stay there. If you have a brewery there, your brewer, your front of house, your all your staff will probably work within the vicinity. They will buy from your local cafes and stay there and go to your local attractions and all that kind of stuff. And that's the important bit of it. Whereas if you send money to a different town, state, etc., then it's not that local, is it? Yeah, and Claire, I don't know whether it's relevant to um, a similar sort of thing, uh, say, in England, for example, but certainly here with the regional areas, um, there's a, a big sort of thing of, you know, you know, growing up in a small town, but then you, you go to make your bones in the big city. Mm-hmm. If you have a reason to stay and it's, it's, it's businesses and because of businesses, then there are schools and because there are schools, then there are libraries and because there are libraries, there are everything else. Yeah, it's like a knock-on effect, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to stay, you know, like it's a long-term and I know I'm, I'm, I'm making a very simplistic economic rationalisation here, but, you know, it's, it's every little thing, all those one percenters just add up to, you know, long-term growth and stability for a, for a region. So um, we can't underestimate the value of, of putting a, you know, people go to Beechworth, people go to Bright now because there's a brewery there. 
mm. and they've heard about it and they know they serve great, they can get a great feed, they can get great wood-fired pizzas, this, that and the other. Mm. While we're there, we're going to use it as a jumping-off point to go and, you know, swim in the Ovens River or we're going to go and do some hiking or we're going to do fishing, whatever it might be. Um, and and uh, to Matt's point before, you know, if all of a sudden there's a Beechworth bitter turns up, and it's two dollars fifty a six pack cheaper, and it's sitting right next to Beechworth Pale Ale. Uh, the, the, the local cafe owner number six. Um, the goes, oh, geez, there's always yeah. a crowd at that Beechworth Brewery. Um, gee, I want some of that. Yeah, I yeah. want some of that. I'm going to make Beechworth bitter um, and sell it here. Um, and you know, even though you know, no one really cares that it's local because I won't put it on the local, but I'll make sure that I join the IBA to have my independent seal um, on there. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm looking at a, the, the, the um, Cronulla Bitter. Because I can afford to because I'm not spending money on, uh, you know, stainless. Yeah, Cronulla <laughs> Bitter, when you t- t- sorry, Cronulla XPA, when you turn it over, it's got this big drink local on the back um, directly above the IBA seal. <laughs> no, it yeah. doesn't. Oh, no. Hey, moving on, oh, speaking of uh, oh, Rowling's label stickers and packaging oh, and redesigning, yeah. Matt, um, Anchor Brewing, what did you think? Oh, Matt, Matt, what, yeah. Actually, I, I, I had no real thoughts on, on it anyway. Like, you know, as I said um, a couple of times on social media, you know, if you see a design and you don't like it, maybe it's not targeted at you. Um, but I was really interested to see how upset people like, you know, who I really respect, like Pete Brown um, and, and a range of other people. <laughs> Pete Brown is a very specific type of Barnsley lad. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he likes what he knows when he knows what he likes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did immediately think of Muzzin when, you know, of people complaining or, or, you know, rejoicing in the fact that when he got rid of the pinstripes off the new design, that the beer tasted better. So <laughs> I just wonder whether there's a little bit of that, you know, we drink with our eyes first. I, I loved the, the Anchor, and I don't know how many times it's changed, but Anchor was one of my, um, not an epiphany beer, but one of those beers that I thought, wow, hang on, what you know, what's going on here? And it was the shape of the bottle, it was the the design with the Anchor and the, the Eagle wrapped around it and all that sort of thing. So for me, yeah, it's kind of dumbed down a little bit, but and, and like you very uh, wisely pointed out, Matt, it's probably not designed at me. You know, I'm probably still going to buy it, uh, well, I wouldn't unless I was over there um, because I drink local, Matt. Don't know if you've heard. Yeah, <laughs> but well, and that's the thing. Like that, that old, like that, the really old, dated um, logo or you know design that they had um, has heritage, been criticised Matt, as not well. Old, you say old and dated. I say heritage. Well, well, <laughs> but, uh, things are very become recognisable. Things have to be old and dated before they can become heritage, and you need to survive <laughs> the old and dated period. You know, something needs to be secondhand before it can be an antique. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's antique, suddenly the value comes back to it. And uh, you know, something needs to be unfashionable before it can become hipster cool. Um, and obviously, I was actually more interested in. I don't know if you saw somebody had posted um, the long life milk aisle at Coles. Oh yeah, <laughs> a bolt said, making when did, milk. When did Coles yeah, start to design their, their milk? And it, and it was it was the and it was exactly, exactly the same color palette. Yeah, and the pastels, but also the like the the, the block at the bottom. Stills, you got to, you, you need to be. You, I hope you. Well, you can't trademark or, that. You, know, you can't trademark and... colors, can you? Or not like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can't do that. Yeah. But isn't Which, that interesting? Now, fun fact: Does does Claire know this one, Matt? Do you know? So the reason for where the Bolter uh, palette color? Oh uh, no, I don't know this at all. No, I'm absolutely a... certain that this was a story that Stills told me the or... first time. No, no, I got it directly from Stills, but they don't. Or not? But they don't seem to to own it anymore. What? The, the, the idea it? was that when you got to that last little, you know, when you got to the beer in that last little bit of mm. colour, 
if you sort of drank that and wanted another one, they'd done their job. So that was the oh, that's so, nice. Yeah, so it was the beer oh, at the I bottom, like that. that last mouthful of beer. Um, and and this is for a brewery that's never bottled their beer, so you, you'd have to actually pick it up and shake it to see, or you know, get an, uh, an MRI or an X-ray or something to see that the beer is at the the colour level. That's way more than a mouthful. I would have thought. Not for you, uh, big lads. Stills is a very good marketing man. I reckon that's. <laughs> I reckon he's, he's put a little bit of mayonnaise on that, and he's done very well. <laughs> and best of British luck to him. <laughs> so no, I thought I thought that was funny. That yeah, uh, that was good. Listen, before we before we nick off, um, we, can we talk a little bit about? I know Klimt did really well, and can we, are we going to? Hey, actually, to we haven't talked about that. What did no, everyone think? What yeah. did everyone think of Klimt's uh, insight? I, I mean, I, again, I think um, the organisers really need to listen to that because yeah. if you're going to create a competition that the big breweries that are looking to increase distribution push really, really hard, and you leave all of the other smaller breweries who aren't who don't want distributions have gone well bugger it um you know the, the, the big guys are going to crowd us out do you think then that we should just limit a brewery to have like two beers you're only allowed two beers no i, I don't, don't think, think breweries should be allowed to, well again it, it well look as with anything it depends on what your mm. aim is what you want to celebrate what you want the point of the competition to be and if it's going to be the hottest um, if it's going to be the hottest and not the most, you know, not a presidential style campaign, um, then I think breweries should be encouraged to push people to vote. But they're not. But you know, there is a agreed form of words with the gabs, uh, uh, you know, approved vote for. Oh right, like a prescribed. This is the marketing prescribed you can beer, use. And, and you can't feature a beer. Like you so can't. No, you can't be a specific beer or anything like which that. Which again means that a whole lot of breweries aren't going to push as hard and from a business point of view you know if, if you're um hawaiian haze might not have made as well we, we don't know but we'll, mm. we'll never know because it's a it's a beer that has had a lot of distributions had a lot of advertising and had yeah. a big push from from the brewery yeah, yeah. but if you're the organizer of the the gaps hottest, hottest 100 you're looking at all of these breweries pushing out their database to their database mm-hmm. um your competition so it's free promotion that expands the footprint of the hottest 100 and that's fantastic so they'd still have that but without but is it a, well but would brewers still if they weren't able to campaign specifically for one of their beers if they were campaigning for the competition generically mm. would they then push it out as hard so it's not mm. as good so yeah so i like reckon I'd, they probably would though because I having the hottest 100 stamp on is i think worth it's it. better for the integrity either of the way it's still a great snapshot and uh, like I don't have any issue at all with with that. My, my concerns, and I've addressed them before, and, and on the live podcast was, you know, if a brewery is going to only um, put in the beers that they want people to vote for, not their their entire range, and you're shaping the vote, yeah, yeah, um, that to me then just I guess dilutes the um, the authenticity of the of the thing. But look. You know, at the end of the day, I think the, the best thing is that, um, you know, Mike and the crew could do worse than to um, jump onto some of the uh, Facebook groups because there's plenty of advice on um, <laughs> how, how, how they could better. And I'll, I've just picked out one of my favourites and I'm going <laughs> and this is a cracker, but old mate says, lol, the Gabs 100 is a waste of time, pretty much looks the same every year and the beers that win are the beers with the most exposure, e.g., this is all one sentence, and then capitals, main, second word, stream, beer. Dot, 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 dot. Oh. Also, I, small I, noticed the Brewers, capital B, that oh, push for Gabs, G-A-double-B-S, so he spelled it oh, incorrect. stop it, Pete. I'm having a heart attack with this terrible grammar. The Brewers that push for Gabs votes the most are always at the top. 
P-F-F-T-T-T. Yeah, well, look, Congratulations, old mate. You've worked out how things work. Yeah, but again, you can dismiss it. But the thing that strikes me about what Clem said... knowledge wisely. ...is that if you've got a whole state opting not to participate in it because they don't see the point in it because, you know... They don't want mainstream, you know, mainstream distribution. You know, their their, their businesses are doing quite well. So, so, should we let it just run organically, Matt, and just develop as it will? And we say, if you if you don't want your beers in it, that's fine. You don't have to put your beers in it. It's the, the hottest one hundred then becomes the hottest votable beers, or you know, it's still hot because if the brewer doesn't think enough of their beer to put it in, as oh. a, you know, for their fans to vote for, no, because because again, I, I you know, I I think there is a point. Um, at which you know, like your mate, like it is just such a focus point for so much of the you know competition. Is you know? it any different though to any other um, Sunshine Coast tourism campaign? Like, is it just another element of, of that? Well, see, last year it really looked like they because they had such a strong um, following. You know, gee, isn't it great to see one of their beers make top five? Mm-hmm. You know, to see so many of their beers in the hottest one hundred um, when they're not. You know when they're dist- it, they seem to be very effectively campaigning, um, as opposed to it being a genuine reflection of the esteem that those beers are held in by the broader beer community. Okay, but yeah, at the same enough. time, you I, can't I force people to vote, can you? You can't force people to vote well, for a well, beer. Well, and, and you know, but unless there, you incentivize there were some, it, there, there were some businesses that were apparently incentivizing. Um, but I don't think, in the grand scheme of things, that would at this point make that much difference. I don't know. They're not like, going to get hundreds of votes by offering that because they'll have I got a slap on the wrist. I don't have that yet. I, I, look, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, I, 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 I think that for a short-term sugar rush of exposure for the competition because of the way some big breweries, some of the bigger or more ambitious breweries are pushing it and, you know, marshalling their, their forces so well... I worry that we're going to see more and more disengagement from the competition that can't be good for the relevance of the competition. If it's only disengagement, the, as in people don't believe it's well, got well, 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 the criticism or? that's always been levelled about the hottest one hundred that I don't think has really been fair to the extreme mm. has been it's just a population. You know what Pete's comment that yeah. it's just a population, it's just a popularity. popularity vote from people that have the ability to marshal big distribution. Um, and when you look at a lot of the smaller um, brands that have a gen, you know, that haven't really campaigned hard on it, but have still featured. Um, you sort of think, well, actually, no, that's not a fair criticism. No, and it's also, Matt, why the uh, next 100 and why the new 100 was developed. So you can say, okay, if you're not interested in the, you know, the the commercialisation of it, then have a look at this one. This this is going to show you your, your, you know, triple soured um, <laughs> lacto-hazy pastry stouts and whatever, where, it, you know, and you can see the one that you voted for and feel good about yourself and then, you know, move on to the with, with the rest of your life. Yeah, but... The, the, but the, the, and again, like I, that, that's where you know, like all the people who still say it's the same beers year on year. That's why some of these sub lists, you know, are, should be given a little bit more priority. Mm. But yeah. when it's the same, yeah, you know, when it's the same, but the same know, beers uh, every year to me is a great 
um, indicator of how far we've come, how, how the industry is maturing. Um, and also the fact that so many beers, you know, sneak in at 97 or whatever. And then all of a sudden next year, they've jumped 15, you know, up to, to 15 or whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. But again, I, I still just can't get away from the fact that if, if, if you've got whole states feeling dis- disenfranchised from the process with a pretty legitimate, you know, and, and when you listen, when I, when I listened to Klimt saying this, I thought you actually make some very good points about why you would yeah, feel that I, way. Um, I, I disagreed with the, the the principle of it, but again, not from a, a business point of view. I would, yeah, okay. Um, I don't want to push my beer because I'm already maxed out capacity wise. But wouldn't you want to at least create interest in your, you know, market your beer? Well, maybe that's and where the maybe second that tier comes in. Two, three, four years down the track. If you're saying, "Well, I'm just going to brew on a 50 litre system for the rest of my life," that's fine. Best of British luck to you. But if you want to grow your business, surely you want, mate. If you can brew more beer, I will buy it. Then you say, "Okay, now I can go to the bank and say I can make more beer. I need more equipment, or I'm going to." But, 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 but see, that, that, that's where the second part of, of of my thinking around it comes: is that if you are pushing people to vote for X beer and marshalling all of your forces, you're not getting a true indication of what people think of your beer because people go, oh, yeah, I love that bloke. You know, I love Klimt. I love his beer. So I'll give it a vote and I'll vote for the one that he's asked me to vote for because even though, like... Do do you think people vote for beers that they've never had, though? Surely not. Well, see, there's a lot of you. There's a lot of thinking that, like, This is is my funny way of segueing into... Because old mate here... Okay, Pacific Ale comes in second. I've never tried it. So it must be worthy second place. Rushed out, and now I've tried it. And seriously, I wouldn't bother again. Drinkable, yes, but nowhere, two words, near 20 others I'd put in front of it. They must have some good bots voting. <laughs> Mind you, I, I suspect that bloke is also, like he's got a T-shirt that says, I only like a beer when there's a risk of it exploding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's some more merch I did. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Ironic. I, yeah. <laughs> No if, if, if my beer is not potentially dangerous, it's not edgy. <laughs> That's right. I like to live on the edge. <laughs> yeah. If a beer hasn't blown half your fingers off, you even craft. I need to is suffer for craft? my art. Anyway, I, I think we've got this pony on the ground. Yeah, sorry. I, I, think, we've got it. I think we've choked this too. <laughs> yeah, no, we've, we've got to uh, keep moving on. Um, thank you very much to Rowling's label Stickers and Packaging. Thank you very much to Cry Malt and to Yakima Chief Hops who uh, make this all possible. Um, don't forget the oh, and to beer cartel. We didn't do um, yeah. Deadly uh, bakes cookies and the well. Sam's so not been in the office, so our mail um, oh, it's, has it's been packing. a little slow. So we need oh, to work on this. Sam. Know, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm waiting on packages and that have been promised. Yes, I know. Oh, sorry, Pete. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so don't forget <laughs> subscribe. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast. And, and we actually we did have two reviews, so we'll make sure that they're in the show notes for oh, next week. Oh, beautiful. And Thank um, you. but our good friends at Beer Cartel uh, sponsor our letter of the week, and they'll sort out a, a mixed six pack uh, for you. Um, thanks very much, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Thank you very much, Claire. Cheers, Pete. I hope you guys have got a good week ahead of you that will involve something along the lines of drinking fresh and drinking local, looking after yourselves and each other. But I'm waiting for 4.59 tomorrow when the brew results. <laughs> the figures. Let's, let's finally drop. <laughs> Go our share. <laughs> Let, let's hope it rockets in the same way that um, the crankshaft did. And we're out. Boom.
Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. 